Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hi, I'm Dana Crawford. And I'm Wayne Jordan. In today's episode number 57 of Flip It or Skip It, we're going to be talking about Corningware. Ah, uh, Corningware. Really? Boy, there, you know, there's a lot of controversy around Corningware at the moment. Not because of the product or how it's used or made or anything like that, but prices on Corningware are going crazy. What have you seen in prices on Corningware? Because I, I go to eBay and other places, and I see what these things are ostensibly selling for, and I just don't buy it. What have you found on eBay? Wayne, everybody knows that Corningware is worth millions. <laughs> <laughs> millions. Really? Yeah. It's made of uh, platinum. Yes, um, it's it's unfortunate the way that the market presents itself on eBay because I get people as a consignment seller, Dan, I found this Corningware in Grandma's closet, and, you know, in the cupboard, and oh my God, it's you know seventeen thousand dollars on eBay. Yeah, I hear that kind of thing all the time, and you're not kidding about seeing prices for seventeen thousand dollars on eBay, and and of course. Most of our listeners know that uh, the asking price is not the getting price, but you look up something with a price of $17,000 and then you go to sold items and it shows sold for $17,000. And you and I know darn good and well that didn't happen. So what's going on there that these prices are showing that they're being sold for so much money? You know, I have a couple of um, personal theories on on that, and one of them being that the Corningware has some kind of underground um, club. Cadre. <laughs> <laughs> of, of superheroes and mutants. Well, they're just like this underground community that's like, let's bring these prices up. Let's make the value go up. And and it's like, I don't know where they are. You know, maybe they're in China and, and they're, you know, <laughs> trying to get all these prices up. But I just, I don't understand it. I I think that that's one, one type. Another type, I think that people do it for to get attention to their other items. Like they'll just list an item high and then um, in their description, they'll say, I saw actually one person have on their title of their expensive corningware saying, email me, email me as part of their title. Right. So they're wanting to capture some email addresses. So they're using them for attention getters. And it's so unfortunate. Right. Well, they've been really successful at it because a big news item a couple of years ago, 2020, was... And I mean, you, you could turn on the television news and see this on television, and it was on blogs and in newspapers that Corningware was really valuable because some had just been sold on eBay for $10,000. And it was a, 
a, like a one and a half quart, two quart, whatever the size is, casserole dish for $10,000. Now, give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> and when that happens and it goes through blogs and on television and and folks go to eBay and look it up and it shows in the sold items that, that it's selling for $10,000, if they've got some in their cupboard, they think that they have a winning lottery ticket. Yeah. And it just doesn't work that way. And I don't know why folks do that. Your your theory is as good as any I've heard. There are others around about why it happens and, and what's happening with it. But it's important to be able to interpret the information that you're seeing. Yes. When when you find a price like that, and and this is going to veer slightly away from a discussion about uh, Corningware specifically, although we'll get to that, this isn't a Corningware problem. It's a general problem. It's done with other items as well. And we encourage our listeners often to check prices on eBay and check sold prices and check WorthPoint and various places that they can look up prices. But how do they know that the information they're getting is reliable? How can you tell when someone's gaming the system? Well, when you see a ridiculously high price, I mean, at first, it's natural to get excited and think, wow, you know, I hit the mother load and, you know, get excited. But that's another reason research is important, not not because it's a it's a high high selling item, but why is it a high selling item is you know you have to go deeper go look at the description go look at the way the title was presented um how what about the person's feedback um you can get that information on ebay of course and if you click on their feedback a lot of times they have zero sure you know <laughs> they have zero feedback so that's your first clue that this is not realistic but one thing you pointed out to me today, Wayne, that I honestly never thought of before, and I've been using WorthPoint for a very long time, and why don't you share with them about that? Well, the important thing to remember about WorthPoint is they get their data from a lot of sources, hundreds of online auctions from different companies and live auctions and and big auction houses and small auction houses. It's a variety of information. Uh, as an appraiser, I never rely on a single source for my information. It's, it's, it's an easy way to make a mistake, and I don't want to be caught up short doing, say, a gift appraisal or something and have the IRS kick it back because the, the IRS uh, knows how all of these things should lay out eBay is WorthPoint's probably largest data provider, but they're not the only data provider. So right. if if you go to WorthPoint and you find a price that you're questioning, that it might be too high, and remember that uh, WorthPoint gets what eBay gives them. But there is, if you go to the left sidebar in the search, you can specify whether you want eBay results, other results, or both. And if you don't click the button for eBay results and you click the button for other results, you're going to get all of the other independent 
auction companies. And, yes. Uh, it will give you a much different price. For example, there's a price that I saw recently on eBay that said a piece of Corningware sold for $17,000. So right away, I went over and to WorthPoint and clicked the other. Uh, the other button and found that the same piece in a set, it was more than one piece, it was that, that pattern, but an entire set sold for $400. And I go to shopgoodwill.com and I can see that they had this morning when I checked, they had 17 Corningware items and the regular sized casserole dish. It was an auction. No one had bid on it yet, but the opening bid was $7.99. Now, you can't tell me that one of those, anybody's going to get 10 grand for that. It's just a spoof. It's, it's, they're gaming the system. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because, okay, people think that eBay is, you know, they've got the eBay police and, and the eBay generals and they're manning the fort over there at eBay and they're keeping a watch. Well, there is no eBay police. Of course, there's trust and safety, right. but trust and safety is on alert, especially in the foreign, you know, for foreign sites logging in and that kind of thing, logins and whatnot, the looking for bugs. However, trust and safety gets most of their information because fellow sellers or fellow users of the site are reporting things. Sure. It's self-policing. There you go. So if if you report, like I report a fake Louis Vuitton, then that Louis Vuitton is probably going to get pulled. So if we would start reporting inaccurate information, you know, the like the person asking for the emails, that's that's not, you're not allowed to do that. How did they get away with that? So yeah, people like us have to, um, it's like um, neighborhood watch. <laughs> You know, so we're all we're all on the same team. We all want to make money and we want to have a safe trading place. So the neighborhood watch people need to come together and report when you see nonsense like this so that trust and safety will then start taking a, a better, closer look if more of us are are reporting these things. Now, I was just so impressed, Wayne, when you, you told me about the. The, to change that other over on WorthPoint because I honestly never thought of it before. So a huge light bulb went off when you did that. And I was able to get accurate prices on the Corningware based on other other data partners that provide the data for WorthPoint besides eBay. And I do know that Max Sold is is really huge with the with WorthPoint right now. So there are a lot of others you know, Barnsby, Jexters, I mean, the list goes on and on with other auction houses that provide their data for WorthPoint that is so helpful to us. And so we we, we don't want to overlook that anymore. No, it provides balance. And, and that's something you don't get when you go to a site that only has their own information. There are auction houses out there that you can subscribe to their auction results, but they're their auction results. You, and, and to get a, a broad perspective, you need to have broad data, and that's what WorthPoint has. 
Okay, Dana, this is a good spot to take a break, so let's pause here for a word from our sponsor. Hey, eBay sellers, it pays to know what you've got and what it's worth. That's why you need WorthPoint. WorthPoint.com is the world's largest resource for pricing antiques and collectibles with millions of items, photos, and sold-for prices. With their free mobile app for iPhone and Android, you can carry the power of WorthPoint right in your pocket wherever you go. For a seven-day, seven-look-up free trial, go to worthpoint.com. Okay, we're back. Yours truly, Wayne Jordan and Dana Crawford. And we're talking about the ins and outs of selling Corningware. Let's pick up where we left off. The, the nice thing about having broad information is that there's a, a process that appraisers use to find prices. And anyone who's bought and sold a home know that you need to have an appraiser come out and appraise your house and and work up uh, comparables and make adjustments and that sort of thing. And personal property appraisers, antique and art appraisers, do the same thing. They have to look at the market. And you can't look at the market if you're looking in, if you're in real estate, you can't look at the market by looking at one neighborhood. You have to look at all the neighborhoods in a city and, and compare them and, and find what what is indeed comparable. When I go into uh, WorthPoint or eBay or anything else, the first thing I do is eliminate the outliers. If it's got a whole bunch of prices or uh, of high prices and other really, really low prices, I'm going to get rid of those. But I'm going to look at it as a percentage. When I looked at uh, Corningware this morning, there had to be 98 Corningware auctions for four figures and up, all the way up to five figures. And it was the last two, number 99 and 100, because I break the, my pages down into 100 listings. Uh, 90, uh, 99 and 100 were in the hundreds. So I, I have to wonder if there's 30,000 listings in there and 98 of them are ridiculously high. That's a small percentage of the whole thing. So I'm going to get rid of the outliers and I'm going to look at what's in between the two outliers and find something that makes sense to me price-wise. Because market value of anything is the price that a willing buyer pays to a willing seller when both of them have all the facts about the item and neither of them is under duress. Very well said. And if someone's trying to game the system, you just don't have all the information. So you have to be sensitive to that and aware of that. It's like uh, hackers and spoofers on social media and Facebook. I got another one this week where my friend said, oh, you've been hacked. Well, actually, I've been spoofed, but <laughs> you know the, the net result is the same. Uh, there's a lot of that out there. Uh, there are people who just want your information. They want to know who you are, and, and ultimately, their goal is to get into your bank account, and you have to be careful about that. Sure, sure. But back to Corningware, there are all types of Corningware designs. And, and I know the realistic prices, you still have to pay attention to which ones are more valuable. And there are some that are a little bit harder to find. Mm -hmm. There's there's one pattern that's called the Spice of Life. And then there's the corn, I think it's the cornflower 
that's the blue one. The blue the, one, The right. classic. And then there's the wildflower. And I actually have done well selling the coffee pots, you know, that go on top of the stove. And when they're in good condition, and then especially when they have the lid. And then there's a pattern with peaches. So I think that if I'm out researching or I'm out looking for items, I would first pay attention to the the ones that have the different pattern. And according to rarest.org, um, the eight rarest ones that they, they call out are the wildflower casserole dish. And that is, um, that average they say is about $80 for that cash casserole dish. Then they have the Re- Renaissance casserole dish. I've never seen that one. Honestly, I've never hmm. seen that design before, but it's called Renaissance. And they say that that's about a hundred plus because that's a rare, a harder one to find. Another one I've never seen before is the Black Atomic Star. I've seen that one. Have you? Yeah, I've seen that one. It's very, very mid-century modern. Then there's the Daisy Teapot, the Range Topper, 300 plus for that one. And that's with the blue cornflower pattern. So whereas the 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 blue cornflower pattern on your basic dishes they they have not sold as well for me. I haven't. I don't usually. I skip those. But if you find the the range topper with the lid, then we're talking a few more bucks. So mm-hmm. the spice of life, and those are the kinds of patterns that you want to. Um, look for so that you can identify which ones are have that true value. So how would you proceed? Let's say that you go to a, a yard sale and the estate has some corningware set out and the person doing the sale doesn't believe that it's worth $17,000 either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how would you go about finding out with all the wide, wide variation that you find in, in price guides online, how would you go about determining what you might be able to sell that for? And how would you price it when you do your listing? Yeah, because of all this crazy data that's so confusing that's available. Well, now that you taught us how to look at the other sold listings on WorthPoint to look at other outside of eBay... That would be my first place to start, to be honest with you. And then I would still look at eBay, but I would reverse it to lowest price first. Mm-hmm. After I've looked at sold, right? look at sold, and then I would adjust it to lowest price first and take a look at what those lowest ones were selling for and then start learning about which patterns sold for the most that have realistic sales versus, you know, go go take a look at, you know, was the person zero feedback? I mean, zero feedback, we all have to start somewhere. So I honestly don't um, worry too much on zero feedback. However, if it's, you know, $17,000 and zero feedback, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to think twice, you know, and it's common sense. And that's something that every listener has. Sure. Right. They're here. You have good common sense. So you're obviously an expert with common sense because you're here today. 
That's right. That's right. You know, the, the big uh, tip off for me when I'm looking at something where, where the price just looks a little uh, crazy is I will investigate the bid history. If there's, if there's a high price and only one bidder, forget about it. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be taken in by that. But sometimes there are, are multiple uh, bids listed. You know, here's how many bids were on this item. Sure. But you look at the bid history and you find out that it might actually be two or three people uh, bidding against one another. You know, they don't you know how to use sniping software or, you know, it's just progressively yeah. up and up and up. And I'll take a look at that and and try to determine, you know, if the whole group was suffering from mass delusion <laughs> or, <laughs> or if it was a really valuable piece. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that it's challenging. And I think also that it's unfortunate that so many people um, that don't know how to do the research and and fall for, oh, my God, you know, it's worth millions. So it's a shame. So the first thing you would do if you ran into Corningware at a sale and it was overpriced is you would skip it. Absolutely. <laughs> you would not research it and flip it because trying to change somebody's mind about that is difficult. What are you going to do? They're going to go right to eBay and say, well, see, yes. this sold for this much. I know. It's, yeah. it's crazy. And it's funny that you mention that because so many people are getting smarter <laughs> with their listings that um, they don't look up everything, though. So never get stressed if some prices, some items are overpriced. And then you ask, I always ask, you know, do you sell on eBay? And then um, if they do, but they still miss a few things. They don't look up everything. But also pay attention to the patterns. Sorry. I know I would say pay attention to the patterns because that's going to catch my eye too. Because I I never seen one of the Atomic ones or the Renaissance ones. So if I saw a Corning dish, which the Corning dishes themselves, the the casserole dishes, they're easy to spot, right? You know, but the patterns is what is going to be different. So, you know, the blue the blue corn flower is kind of common, but if you see the run into more with these crazy designs. Okay, Dana. I'm looking at my clock on the wall, the Corning porcelain clock that I bought for $17,000, not, and it says that it's time to go. So uh, we'll wrap up this episode. Uh, it, interesting, though, I think that we covered some good points on this, and, and I hope our listeners find it helpful. So that's it. Thanks, Dana. See you next week. All right. Thanks, Wayne. Bye. You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. WorthPoint.